0: All right, guys, good morning. If we can, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 15. Also, kids, you are dismissed to the children's ministry, so make your way back and a teacher will take you back there. John chapter 15, if you're using one of the church Bibles, it is page 901, 901. Uh, My name is Kenson, I have the honor of serving as one of the pastors here at Park, specifically our Bridgeport location, so really glad to be with you guys this morning. Once again, John chapter 15, Uh, as you guys are turning there, just to remind you guys we're continuing back in our sermon series of looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. Let me just show you these statements here. Now, these statements are statements that Jesus makes about himself, where we can see the uniqueness and supremacy of Jesus as the son of God. That when Jesus gives us these I am statements, that it's not only just to tell us who he is, but also who he is to us. That he's the bread of life that satisfies our soul. That he's the light in our Darkness. That he's the door that leads us to the life and life to the fullest. He's the good shepherd who can care for us the way that we need. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Life that is really life. And for today, Jesus is going to say this statement. I am the true vine. I am the one who can transform you from the inside out. So John chapter 15, let's look at verses 1 to 11. Let me read our verses, and then we'll jump right in, okay? So starting at verse 1, Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in a vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is it that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you... You know, a few years ago, uh, I got my 20-year high school reunion invitation, all right? I can't believe I've been out out of high school for that long, or right? I still feel like a high school student sometimes. Now, I don't know about you guys, how many of you plan to go or have gone to yours, but I don't ever plan to go, ever, because first off, it would just be super awkward that I'll go into this, like, high school gymnasium that we would look at each other and none of us would recognize each other, that we'd be saying to each other, Whoa, 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 what happened to you? You uh, used to be so fit. You know, used to be, you know, so good looking. You know, you used to have so much hair. You know, like all these different things. And it's inevitable that as time goes on, right, our physical bodies begin to change, you know, begin to decline. And, and this is all part of the consequences of, of being in a world that, that, that's subject to sin, that's subject to decay, that all creation groans. This is why that as we grow older, we lose a step. Now, we can try to resist it, we can eat healthy, we can exercise, we can get plastic surgery, but it will always catch up on us. This is why you don't see 50-year-olds winning Olympic gold medals in the 100-meter dash. You know, this is why professional sport athletes retire in their 30s. Our physical bodies are declining. That hunk that you married will one day be a chunk. That's eventually going to happen. It's inevitable. Now, I say that because what is true physically is also true inwardly. That as we decay and decline, we see this in our inward life. That every day, we feel the downward pull of sin in our hearts. We feel the selfishness, the vanity, the greed, the pride, the arrogance, the envy, the anxiety, the fear, the grudge holding, the lust. We feel it in ourselves. We see it in other people. We see it in society. And we don't like it. We want it to change. We want it to be different. And if you need proof of this, just, just go to any local Barnes and Nobles, and you will see rows upon rows upon rows that will tell you about how to be a better person, how to reach your potential. We want all of this. And for all of us sitting here in this room, one time or another, we have wrestled with this with ourselves. You know, Why did I get so mad? Why am I so anxious about this? Why do I always try to please everyone? Well, why can't I be forgiving and loving? We all want to be better, and to live free of this. This is the good news of the Christian faith. We can be different. That in Christ, the selfish can be selfless, the greedy can be generous, the arrogant can be humble, the bitter can be forgiving, the lustful can become become pure in heart, the angry can be gentle, the anxious can be peaceful, the insecure can find confidence, the uncaring can be caring. Our passage this morning is all about this change. When Jesus says that I'm the vine, you're the branches, he is saying my life will flow into your life, my nature into your nature, my character into your character. As you abide in me, my life will find expression through your life. You will begin to grow with Christ-like characteristics, and Jesus calls this fruit. The best way to explain this is in Galatians chapter 5. And let me just show you this very familiar verse. It says this But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. When Jesus promises fruit in John 15, he is saying that we can be changed. That there is a way for your life to be beautiful, for it to be good, and for it to be flourishing. But the only way this can happen is that when Jesus is your true vine. You know, with the time that we have here today, I want to show you why this change is inevitable when we abide in Christ. Here are the two points. The first point is this. Change happens because you are in a deep relationship with Christ. And the second point, change happens because you're in the Father's hand. Change happens because of a deep relationship with Christ, and change happens because you are in the Father's hand. So first is this. Fruit bearing happens because we have a deep relationship with Christ. Look at verse 5 again. Verse 5 says this. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he's it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, You can do nothing. Now, this word abide is used about 10 times in our verses. And in the Greek, it literally means to make your home in. That this is a word of intimacy and dependence. And the way that Jesus illustrates this is through the metaphor of vine and branches. And when you consider the relationship between a vine and branch, there is no union more vital than that. Because for the branch, the only way that it has life, the only way that it has fruit is from the vine. Jesus is the vine whose roots go into the very Godhead, the very life of God. And it's from that life that flows into us. And that's how we bear fruit through our lives. That the very life of God through the presence of the spirit will find expression in our life. That the spiritual DNA that we have, that God has, that he will go ahead and put that in our lives to override our sinful DNA. Now what does this mean for us? It means that if we want to see lasting change, it will never happen by focusing on the external. Instead, lasting change happens when Jesus is the center of our lives because it's from the heart. Everything flows from. All the bad choices, all the wrong behavior, all the harmful words. These are not things that happen from things outside of us. These are not things that happen because of circumstances. These are just things that are happening from inside of us. The circumstances are revealing what is already true about our hearts. And because of sin, our desires are corrupted. We desire things we shouldn't desire. We're self-centered instead of being God-centered. For any change and growth to happen, it has to happen at the level of desire that is not just about doing the right things, but loving to do the right things. This is why true and lasting change can only happen through an intimate relationship with Jesus. Because it's only in the gospel do we get to the root of our hearts That the greed that I have can only be overcome by the generosity of God. That the hate that I hold on to can be overcome by the forgiveness of Christ. The shame I feel can be washed away by the righteousness of Christ. The arrogance I, I have can be humbled by the necessity of the cross for my sins. The fear I have can be overcome by the certainty of Christ's promises. True and lasting change comes when we abide ourselves to Christ. You know, we have found a way to make Christianity so complicated, right? That we have these Christian books that are bigger than the Bible. We, we, we use these theological terms that just have way too many syllables. Jesus has made it so simple. He says it right here, your branch, your branch stay connected to me. Right, all a branch has to do is just like you know, you know from the vine. That that's all it has to do. In John chapter 10, he makes it simple again. He says, Your sheep, you know, ba ba. You know, that's all you have to do. You know, don't worry about your enemies. Just follow me and I'll take care of anything else everything else. Jesus can't make it any more simple. But yet we overcomplicate things. We stress ourselves out. Jesus says here, it's as simple as day. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. It is inevitable. It is a promise. Just stay close to me and everything else will happen. Everything else will happen. But here's the thing. If this is the case, why don't we do this more often? Why is it that instead of focusing on Christ, instead we focus, if I can say this, more on the fruit, right? Then instead of leaning into Christ, we're also like, you know, I want to work on this. I want to focus on this. Why is it that we lean towards the externals? It's because externals are so much easier, right? For example, just like how trimming a branch of its bad fruit is so much easier than actually going to the root of that tree and dealing with the problem. The hard work to address the issues of the heart It's hard to confess, it's hard to repent, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, it takes a long time, so instead we go for the quick fix, you know, let's just fix the externals here, right? You know, we learn mechanics, you know, we develop this technique, you know, we follow these five steps to become a better person, or we adopt a moral code that if I obey these rules, then I'll become righteous. Now, these things might address the symptoms, but it will never ever cure the disease. The heart is still sinful and rebellious. You know, for example, you know, my three-year-old son, um, he, um, he doesn't listen to mom and dad very much right now, okay? So, like, for example, like, uh, like just yesterday, you know, we're, we're talking, we're having lunch, and he would not eat his lunch. We're saying, eat your lunch, no, eat your lunch, no. So what I had to say to him is like, all right, if you don't eat your lunch, you know how we're going to go to the playground? We will not go to the playground. And do you know what he starts doing? He starts eating, like, everything right off the plate, and he's all, like, he's like an angel now. He's like, okay, okay. So we take him to the playground. He plays, right? And all of a sudden, when you look at it, you're like, all right, he's a changed man. This is fantastic. Well, guess what happens during dinnertime? He's the exact same way. No, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. Well, what happened? Did my son really change? No, 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 no. He didn't change. What happened was that he wanted something from me. Is that these circumstances, like, well, I really want the playground, so I'll go ahead and do what I need to do so that I can go to the playground. And I share this because we here can all adapt our behaviors. We here can all look like Christ followers without ever having a change in our heart. We can muscle through it. We can push through it, we can plow through it, we can make it mechanical, we can make all the change in our life just merely cosmetic, we can fake it the whole entire way. This is why Jesus says in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burn." These are people who on the external seem connected to the vine. It seems like they have a relationship, but internally there is no life flowing through them, that there is nothing vital in this relationship that they have with Christ, that they look like a branch, they hang out with the other branches, but they never bear fruit. There is no inward change. You know, let me ask you, are you experiencing real and intimate relationship with Jesus? Or are you just faking it? Or are you just faking it? You know, do you see yourself obeying God and doing the things of God because of how much you love him and how you want to see him glorified? Or do you do it because of duty, obligation, fear, guilt? That kind of change will never last because every time we behave in a way that is not consistent with our hearts, we will naturally resist it. You know, let me just illustrate this with this wooden stick here, okay? So we have this little wooden stick, little branch here, right? And... I'm going to bend it here like this, okay? Now, there's two things that can happen here. The first is this. You know, I bend the branch here, but if you notice here that I'm bending, and I'm bending it quite a bit, but what happens once I let go? It goes right back into its original position. You know, for some of us, we're just like this. Right? We're a dead branch and we're bending, we're bending, we're conforming. This is why some of us can be one way at church and another way outside of church because the right outside pressures are all there. We want to keep that reputation. We want to hold on to that blessing, You know, that fear of losing something. So we go ahead and we conform and we conform and we conform, right? But once the pressure stops, we go back to the original position. Hypocrisy is a symptom of not abiding in the vine. Or here's the second option is that I bend this branch till it breaks. Now, this is what happens for those who just keep faking it and in time. You become resentful because you have to do all these things. That you have to keep up with the spiritual charades. So you break. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of being told what to do. I hate this. So you walk away from God. You redefine God. You criticize God. Whatever. Do you see? Any change outside of Christ won't last. This is why in verse five, Jesus says, "I'm the vine. You're, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me, you know, and I in him, bears much fruit. For apart from me." You can do nothing. And when Jesus says nothing, he means nothing. You don't have the resources to be all that God has called you to be. But this is the good news. Jesus does. That we don't have the power to push back against our sinful desires. But Jesus has that power. He never wants to come to temptation of sin. He loved God with all his mind, heart, and strength. We don't have the endurance to stay faithful, but Jesus has endurance. That not even the cross could stop him from his redemptive plan. We don't have the wisdom to know how to live, but Jesus is the very wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.24. We don't have the ability to undo all that sin has corrupted in our lives and society, but Jesus can restore and renew When we abide in Jesus, when we stay connected in deep relationship with him, his life will flow through us and find expression through our lives. That we will have new desires, new motivations, new attitudes, new responses. We will change. But we have to stay close to him. That's how it works. We stay close to him and the fruit will come. Here's the second point. We grow because we are in the Father's hands. Look at verse one and two here. Verse one and two says this I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay? So, in this metaphor, we have Jesus as the vine, we're the branches, and now we see that God is the vine dresser are the gardener. Now, if you guys have ever seen a gardener at work, some of you guys have a green thumb, right? What you see about these gardeners is that they get deep into the dirt, right? They're working on the soil, they're working on the plant, and in the same way, that's the picture. God gets his hands dirty in the soil of our life, that he's intimately involved in our lives, working to bring about more fruit. And one of the ways the gardener helps his plants to grow is by pruning them. Now, I'm a city boy, so I have no idea what it is to prune, so I went on YouTube and I searched for how to prune vines. And for the next three minutes, I'm in total shock. Okay, I'm like, what? I don't know what I'm looking at right now. Like my idea of pruning is a snip here and a snip n- there. But as I'm watching these videos, these gardeners are just going after these poor branches. Like crazy. And in one of these videos, a woman is pruning, and she says that when you prune, you want to prune away the dead, diseased, and crowded, that if it's a dead branch or shoot, cut it off. If it's diseased, you cut it off because it will suck life from the plant. If it's crowded, you cut it because there's so much going on in so many different places that no life is getting from the vine from anywhere. So the gardener comes and he cuts and he cuts and he cuts and he cuts, and all of this is happening... Because the gardener has a vision for how this tree should look. And anything that isn't keeping with this vision gets cut. In the same way, God has a vision and intent for our lives to look more like Jesus. And anything that hinders and keeps us from that, he cuts. And it is painful. You know, when I was watching these videos... And I couldn't help but imagine that if these branches could speak, that it would be crying out, no more, no more, no more, stop. This hurts too much. That when the gardener is finally finished, it looks like the branches are bleeding from a hundred different places. And when you see the gardener at work at pruning, it almost looks like the gardener is killing this plant and not helping it. Some of you today are feeling that same thing. That I love God I'm doing my best to live the life that Christ has achieved for me. The gospel clicks in my heart, and the cross is precious to me. So why do I keep getting knocked down? Why do I keep going through all these trials and suffering? Why is he cutting into me? That you step back and you look at yourself, and you see yourself bleeding from a hundred different places. You look at all the missed opportunities that have been taken away. The dreams that you had that have been crushed. That job that you wanted that you don't have. That girl, that boy, that school, it's all gone. And you ask God, God, why are you doing this to me? This is why he does it. It's so that we would depend on him like we have never had before. Just like how branches are cut, and when the branches are cut, the reason they're cut is so that they would draw on the vine like they haven't before. That when we are cut, we too will draw on the true vine, Jesus Christ, like never before. This is why God brings discipline to our lives. And there's two kinds of discipline. The discipline of correction and the discipline of perfection. That the discipline of correction comes when sin needs to be cut. The discipline is brought to expose our hearts, to lead us to confess those sins. And sometimes God brings about trials and discipline to perfect us. The hard times we're experiencing is not because of unfaithfulness towards him, but it's so that God can strengthen us and bring about something specific from our lives. And here's the bottom line. When God is the vine dresser, it means that God accepts us in Christ as we are, but he will never ever leave us as we are. He is committed to our growth and change. He's committed to seeing us bearing fruit. And anything that hinders us from flourishing in faithfulness, in love, God will take out the knife and he will cut the things that will feel deeply a part of you. God is committed to seeing you become like Jesus. Do you have that same commitment for your life? You know, ask yourself, what is that one thing God wants to cut from my life So that I can flourish and be more like Jesus? What would that one thing be? What could you cut so that his life can find greater expression through your life? Is it that sinful habit? Is it that idol that you keep going back to for comfort, identity, significance, control? Is it that addiction? Is it that relationship? Now, I know that that relationship, it feels like it's a part of who you are, but it's hindering you in your faithfulness to Christ. It has to go. Is it your lack of margin? And this is a big problem for us at Park because we have so little margin because we're all busy city people. But just like how the gardener has to cut the dead, diseased, and crowded, sometimes there can be so much stuff going on on a tree that nothing can go on on a tree. So the gardener cuts so that, the tr- so that growth can happen. Some of us here have so much stuff and activity that there is no margin to grow. But here's the thing. So much of spiritual growth and change happens within the margin. Community and small groups happen in the margin. Being available to spend time with your one and have that spiritual conversation happens in the margin. To serve in your neighborhood and in your church happens in the margin. To go on these overseas cross-cultural trips happens within those margins. Time to reflect and to contemplate and to have those quiet times happens in the margin. Are you too busy to experience change? What is that one thing that needs to be cut? You know, for some of you, it could be your objections to the Christian faith. That you're all caught up on all these secondary things like, you know, these supposed contradictions in the Bible or how imperfect the church is. And this is all important stuff to work through. But this is not the center of the Christian faith. The center is Jesus Christ. Maybe what needs to be cut are your objections so that you can focus in on Christ. What is that one thing that needs to be cut. We have to trust our father, divine dresser, to know that he knows how to hold the knife and knows exactly where to place it. Will you let him do his pruning work? Will you let God prune you? I know it's painful, but let the pain lead you to him. Let it let you dive deeper into Christ, the true vine. You know, let me just share with you what uh, C.S. Lewis says, to give us some perspective on this idea of God just kind of doing that hard work of pruning, or in this case, some demo work in our lives, okay? Let me just read this to you. It's from Mere Christianity. He says this. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, He starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts terribly and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? You know, kind of like that pruning idea. He continues on. The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live, it in, live in it himself. Our Father is at work in our lives, pruning us, cutting us, doing some demo work so that we would draw on Christ like never before. He's changing us so that we can experience him more and more of him in our lives. So what's an application here? And let me just give you one, but I re- I'm really giving you three, okay? So here's the one, okay? Be proactively patient. Be proactively patient. Fruit does not happen overnight, and change doesn't happen overnight as much as we would like. Just like how physical change takes time and effort and repetition, the same thing is true spiritually. So for example, a vine tree doesn't produce grapes right away. Sometimes it could take up to three years for grapes to grow. And some of you are hearing this and saying, whoa, I have to wait that long to grow? You know, we grow impatient. We're like, no, I don't want to wait. I want to see results. But can I just say that this waiting time is not a waste of time. It's not. Because it's during this waiting time, the roots are getting deeper, the branches are going out and getting stronger, and it's coming into a position so that it can hold the grapes and supply the nourishment. And a lot of times, three years isn't enough time to actually give you fine quality wine, that if you want that kind of wine, sometimes it takes five to six years of waiting for these grapes to finally be in season. Now, let me just say this. Waiting does not mean doing nothing. That you hear these verses and say, well, you know, it's inevitable if I'm in Christ, you know, he's going to go ahead and bring about fruit. You know, this doesn't mean that you go ahead and sit in your lazy chair and then poof, the fruit will come. No. Even though spiritual formation is inevitable because it's the work of Jesus Christ, it is not Effortless. It is intentional. All growth is a work of grace, but grace is never, hear me, is never ever opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Jesus expects us to be proactive in our growing, and we actually see it here in our passage. First, he says this Abide in his word, and you will bear fruit. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Love this verse here because what it's saying is that if you want to meet Jesus, you can meet him in the Bible. And why is that so important? It's because the Bible is where we have the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus has won the battle to save us. He died in our place to fully satisfy the penalty of sin. And now we get his righteousness and acceptance before the Father. That this is the good news we must preach to ourselves every single day. So that we stay close to him. Because the gospel is not just how we begin our life with Christ. It's also how we grow in Christ. We never ever grow beyond the gospel. We only grow deeper in it. This is the one way we stay close to Jesus. We preach the gospel. We read the Bible. We pray. We keep our eyes and hearts on him on a daily basis. That is how we abide, by abiding in his word. Here's the second way we stay proactively patient. Pray for growth. Look at verse 7. Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now people abuse this verse all the time and they think, oh, you know what this verse means is that God will go ahead and meet all my selfish needs and worldly desires. You know, I want that car. I want that house. I want that career. So, you know, he'll, he'll give me anything as long as I ask and I just tack on in Jesus' name, amen. He'll give it to me. No, this is not what it means. When Jesus says whatever here, he's not giving us a blank check so that we can fill in with anything we want. This verse has context like everything else in the Bible and the context of this verse specifically about prayers is about fruit bearing. In other words, Jesus is saying that if you want your life to look like my life, ask and it will be given to you. Are you hard hearted and you want tenderness? Ask me. Is your life just a mess and you fall for any and all impulses and you want self control? Ask me. Are you unforgiving and you want to be forgiving? Ask me. Are you an anxious person and you want to be a person of peace? Ask me. Are you discouraged and you want joy? Ask me. Ask me and it will come. Jesus, the one who brought the universe and stars together, is the same one with the same power who is committed to every problem, flaw, and weakness in your life so that he can achieve for you your holiness, happiness, purity, and beauty. Pray for this and pray for this in others and this is why Jesus says that when you do this you will prove to be my disciples and this will give glory to God that is what we pray for let me just close with this you know last year I was part of a cross-cultural team to to Hamtramck Michigan and I think that South Loop is also organizing a team to go there and I want to encourage you guys to do that, okay? It's happening this summer. Sign up and be a part of it. And this is actually a great time to learn more about the Muslim population and the gospel work that God is doing out there. And it meant a lot for also for us to come along and support our global workers who are out there. And one of the ways that we supported them was trying to help them establish a site for urban farming. That Daniel, our global worker there, had developed a great relationship with the local iman there. And they gave Daniel this entire back lot of their building to do this ur- urban farming project. And this was an exciting opportunity because this was a chance to do some community development, but also to give Daniel a continual witness for Christ in that Muslim community. So our team gets there, and we're one of the first teams to get there, and our first project is to work on this farm. And can I just say that as sexy as people make, you know, cross-cultural trips are, this was not. This was an absolute nightmare. So we get there and we think, oh, this is urban farming. You know, there's to be some dirt, some soil, you know, things will be ready. We get there and we look at the ground. And let me show it to you. The ground has never been cultivated. This ground was not made for farming. As a matter of fact, this plot of land used to be a house that got demolished. So on this ground, we have rocks, we have cement, we have rubble, we have bits of old homes. This thing was an absolute mess. But this is the ground we got. So we went to work. Yard by yard, we started pulling out all the big rocks. Then we went over again, pulled out some more rocks. Went over it again, pulled out some more rocks. And we kept doing this over and over and over again. And this was so frustrating because there were so many rocks. And it was also frustrating because some of these rocks were so stubborn. They would not come out easy. But we did not quit and we got the job done. And Let me just show it to you here, okay? Now, it doesn't look like much, but we did a lot, all right? We did a lot. After two days of labor, our whole team is exhausted. Our hands are all blistered up. We are sunburned. And as we had a chance to reflect on this, as I had a chance to reflect on this, God brought to mind, Kenson, this is what your heart is like. That the rocks represent that sin of disobedience in your heart. And left alone, nothing can grow from it. But God, me, in kindness and love and grace and long suffering, I will get on my knees and Kenson, day after day after day, I will work to remove these rocks, no matter, how, no matter how stubborn they are. And one day, just like this farm here, you too will be filled with life and fruit. Can I just say that that's the promise that Jesus makes to you? That for all who have embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior, this is the work that he is doing in all of us to change us, to make us more like Christ, to have us bear fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. You know, before I pray for us, I'd love to just give you a few moments where you're sitting at right now. And as we talked earlier in the sermon, what is that one thing that needs to be cut. What's that one thing that you just have to bring to the cross and say, as much as I love this, as much as it feels a part of who I am, this needs to go because it is not leading me towards you. Would you just spend that time now just to confess it, and more importantly, to ask God to help, help you remove this so that you can become more like Christ. And then I'll pray for us.